Okay, Molly. So what you're looking at here is either the greatest invention ever or the end of sports as we know it. Oh my God, this is crazy. That is just mind blowing. (laughs) I'm on a video call with Albert Chen, one of the writers on Torched. Albert is also the author of a book about sports gambling called Billion Dollar Fantasy. And it turns out he's a bit of a sports gambler himself. Albert's scrolling through an app he has open on his screen. It's how he places bets on his phone. And it's kind of blowing my mind. So today seems like kind of a slow sports day. There's no basketball, no football, only a few baseball games to bet on. But if we scroll through to see what's going on at this very moment around the world, there are soccer matches in Europe, rugby games in Australia, there are a few tennis matches in Switzerland, plenty of opportunities to win or lose some money. Just looking at the platform, with all the blinking scores and odds changing in real time, I feel a bit dizzy. Albert shows me how easy it is to place a bet on a tennis match in Switzerland from his apartment in New York. He can bet on which player is going to win the tennis match. But since everything is updated in real time, every second, he can also bet on who's going to win the next point in the match. You put in how much you would potentially wager, and based on the odds, how much you would potentially win. Um, Uh And the odds just keep just changing. (laughs) (laughs) It's 40-15 in this match in Gestad, and we can bet essentially on each point and what is going to happen in that point and who's going to win or lose. Oh my God. I mean, my my mind's still a little blown by this, honestly. Particularly seeing like what you said, where almost every moment is a bettable moment. Because of the movie Molly's Game and the book I wrote, a lot of people know my relationship to gambling. I was a runner for some of the biggest poker games in the world in the 2000s. What people maybe don't know is that back in those days, I used to bet a lot on sports too. Betting in the U.S. was illegal everywhere outside of Nevada. So in order to bet on sports, you either had to fly to Vegas to put a legal bet in person at a casino or do it illegally through someone with connections, a bookie. But now you can place a $1,000 bet on your phone as easily as ordering pizza. This new way to gamble is completely legal, and it's kind of insane. You know, in terms of the limit, you can bet pretty much... I mean, if you want to let your imagination run, <laughs> I don't know that they would let me... Throw another zero in there. Will they let you? <laughs> oh, Max, oh here we go. Max wager okay. $3,700 in a theoretical bet that we would be making on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> no, Albert didn't let his mortgage money ride on a Friday afternoon tennis match. At least I don't think so. Albert plays small stakes, meaning he bets $10, $25 here and there. But in theory, Albert could have put his monthly mortgage on a random tennis match in the middle of the day for a chance to win tens of thousands of dollars. Albert's sports betting app is connected to one of his bank accounts, so he can instantly deposit up to 10 grand into the app when he's feeling lucky. And I have to say, the totally seamless experience of placing bets through the app makes it tempting and a little terrifying. This time a year ago, Albert couldn't bet through his phone in New York City where he lives. And actually, for most of our lives, it's been illegal to bet on sports in most of the country. 
I grew up in a world where gamblers were outlaws and criminals operating in the shadows. I was charged and indicted by the feds for running my poker game in Los Angeles and New York. And after I was arrested, the government even used my very loose ties to sports betting in their case against me. But now the landscape and technology is changing so fast that it's impossible to keep up. The sudden speed of the change is unbelievable. Given the longtime attitudes looking down on gambling, especially sports gambling. Today, you see gambling ads everywhere in stadiums. They're on all the time on TV. And those ads, they're not directed at hardcore gamblers. They want casual sports fans like you and me to open up our wallets and make our sports viewing experience a bit more exciting and a little bit more dangerous. You have to understand how mind-blowing this is for me because I was arrested in the middle of the night by 17 FBI agents holding machine guns for running a poker game. So, like, the fact that, like, the states are on board and Disney is on board, I mean, it's, you know, it's just, um, it's interesting. And that wasn't that long ago when that happened for you. (laughs) No, it was, uh, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Life is strange. (laughs) It's a journey. For the sports world, that journey has been full of twists and turns, scandals and secret deals, leading to a stunning, game-changing Supreme Court decision. A lot of people never thought they would see the day when sports betting would actually be legal across the country. And just as sports leagues are desperately looking for ways to keep their fans engaged, sports betting has made it fully into the mainstream. Will it save sports or destroy them? I'm Molly Bloom, and this is Torched, a show about the heat of competition and the cost of greatness, both on and off the Olympic stage. Today, we're going a little off book for the show, but it's an important conversation, and it's one that has been very relevant to my personal story. So yes, we're delving into the world of sports gambling. Betting on sports was once cast a great taboo, threatening to shatter the integrity of games, which is why until very recently, only one state, Nevada, allowed sports betting. But these days, sports gambling brands are plastered all over stadiums and TV. This fall, for the first time in the majority of states, it'll be legal for Americans to bet on everything from NFL games in Dallas to cricket in India to cornhole in your neighbor's backyard. After New York State legalized mobile betting earlier this year, New Yorkers placed $470 million worth of bets using online apps on one day alone, Super Bowl Sunday. And in a country where people already spend more money on gambling than on movie tickets, theme parks, and spectator sports combined, legal sports betting is expected to generate $10 billion by 2025. In a short time, we've gone from gambling being stigmatized and barely legal to omnipresent and woven into the sports we watch. How did we get to this moment and where are we going from here? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the history of sports betting to give listeners a little context. Sports gambling has a long and checkered history of scandal. Sports gambling 
Within the gambling family, it's like this shady enterprise. It's kind of like the outcast stepchild of the gambling family, you know. <laughs> it's always had this like weird stigma attached to it. Um, maybe that like slot machines and, and poker didn't even like have, you know, you think of sports gambling, it's like shady characters and, you know, characters straight out of, you know, good fellas, mobsters, <laughs> wise guys. This book tells the future, tells the results of every major sports event till the end of the century. Football, baseball, horse races, boxing. The information in here is worth millions. That's a scene from the movie Back to the Future 2, where Biff, the villain, gives his younger self, in 1955, a sports almanac so he can know the results of games before they're played. That leads Biff to making millions by betting on sports events, which makes him insanely rich in a dystopian world of corruption, depravity, and no coincidence, rampant gambling. In real life, sports gambling has been around just as long as professional sports itself. And it has historic ties to the mafia as organized crime's main source of income. Many of sports' lowest moments throughout history are gambling-related. When you think about the biggest sports scandals, so many of them were gambling scandals. Maybe the most notorious sports scandal ever is the 1919 Black Sox scandal. Eight players on the Chicago White Sox baseball team essentially decided to lose the World Series on purpose for financial gain. They were manipulating the outcome, which is called fixing games. And through the years, there have been huge fixing and gambling scandals in college basketball, football, even the Olympics. And in 1989, there was one that really rocked the professional sports world, and it involved a huge sports legend. The banishment for life of Pete Rose from baseball is the, is the sad end of a sorry episode. One of the game's greatest players has engaged in a variety of acts which have stained the game, and he must now live with the consequences of those acts. That was Major League Baseball Commissioner Bart Giamatti speaking at a dramatic press conference in 1989. Pete Rose was a star player on the Cincinnati Reds, who at the time was a manager and still one of baseball's biggest names. So it was shocking to see him get banned from baseball for life. Pete Rose bet on games. There was no evidence that he was fixing them. But Major League Baseball's severe punishment showed how leagues didn't want any outward association with gambling. Gambling would undermine their sport. If fans started to question the legitimacy of games and whether outcomes were manipulated by players or managers for personal gain, their product would be tarnished. And the thing about all of these scandals is that they were just like these huge low points in sports. And I think that really is the reason why sports leagues for really like all of their history, pretty much have been so, so anti-gambling and so out there with their anti-gambling stance. Yeah. On the surface. On the surface, exactly. <laughs> and that is, that is, that is because, you know, as you and I both know, gambling is such a huge part of why people watch. We've talked about sports gambling as a criminal activity mostly in the shadows. But it's undeniable that Americans love gambling as entertainment and spend a lot of money on it. 
Making predictions and wagering money has always been part of the fan experience. It's a big reason why people tune in. Washington, of course, is playing for a home field advantage. They will try to control the ball. And with those linebackers for Dallas, don't worry, Washington will control the ball. All right, folks, here's a rarity. The Greek puts the Redskins a winner. Hey, I picked the Redskins nine times this year. Come on, Brent. All right, now I know one team you've been all over this year, the Rams. That's a clip of sports broadcaster and a personality named Jimmy the Greek from an NFL pregame show in the 1980s. The Greek was a wildly popular TV tipster whose picks every Sunday were a fixture of football seasons. The Greek was also a well-known sports gambler who was once convicted of illegal sports bookmaking. That's the business of accepting and paying off sports bets. So while league officials were, in public, staunchly against gambling, it's no secret that gambling has always helped fuel viewership of their sports. NCAA basketball's March Madness is one of the biggest sports events of the year because fans love filling out their brackets, entering the office pool, and seeing how their picks turned out. A $10 contribution to the pool may sound like small stakes, but the total amount of March Madness bets every year is huge. Over a billion dollars, even back in the 1980s, by some estimates. In the early 1990s, sports gambling was illegal everywhere in America, except for Nevada, Delaware, Oregon, and Montana. At the time, there was a growing momentum to make sports gambling more accessible, and leading the way was New Jersey, where lawmakers pushed through a bill to legalize gambling in their state. But one former athlete stood in their way. One person looking to do the swing against sports betting is Senator Bill Bradley, very to the point with his opposition. Is there anything that they could do to change in any way? Uh, Not to get my support for sports betting, no. I oppose sports betting. In that local news clip from 1992, New Jersey Senator Bill Bradley made it clear where he stood, and he was becoming a very key figure in the story of sports gambling. Bill Bradley, who was then New Jersey Senator, just like this politician with a very high profile. Bradley, as you know, was a former star on the New York Knicks, and he he was just on this political crusade to really just crush the gambling movement. And what he, he just saw it as a threat to the integrity of his sport and all of sports. And he said he didn't want, um, he didn't want athletes to turn into roulette chips. He tells this story of like a game that he played when he was a young player at the New York Knicks um, at Madison Square Garden. And the Knicks were ahead by a few points but enough where they were going to win the game. And then the other team made a shot that was completely meaningless, and there was this huge roar of cheers in the crowd. (laughs) And Bradley was totally confused as to why they would care, like this meaningless basket. And someone later told him that, you know, that the shot meant that the team had covered the spread. And... So, which meant that some people either won or lost a lot of money because of that seemingly meaningless shot. And that was the moment that Bill Bradley's eyes were just open to kind of like the insensitivity and the questionable motives of gamblers and and how this idea that it was a threat to competition and fair competition. Bradley didn't stop at derailing the pro-gambling movement in New Jersey. He was so determined to crush it nationally 
that as a member of Congress, he pushed through the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, or PASPA, in 1992. That federal law all but banned sports betting outside of Nevada. So after PASPA passed, you could pretty much only, yeah, bet in in Vegas, the illegal Mm -hmm. sports betting world, which, you know, you go through a bookie. And, you know, there are some estimates that every year there were $150 billion bet illegally on Mm -hmm. sports, um, which like dwarfs the amount bet in Nevada. Did you say $150 billion? Yep. Yeah. Every (laughs) year. Every year. Yeah. That's right. $150 billion bet on sports illegally every year in the United States. And some experts think that figure is a low estimate. In other words, after PASPA, sports gambling was still happening, just not legally. It was pushed to the underground, and the league seemed determined to keep it there. So the professional league stance was clear. We're in favor of this federal ban on sports gambling because gambling will ruin our sport. And that was their official stance through the decades, even as states made attempts to legalize some form of sports gambling. In 2011, New Jersey voters actually passed a referendum to allow sports betting at New Jersey casinos and racetracks. But the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and NCAA all sued to stop it from happening, claiming that New Jersey was violating PASPA. Major League Baseball Commissioner Bud Selig, who was the most powerful man in baseball, said that gambling is, quote, the deadliest of all things that can happen. It's evil, it creates doubt, and destroys your sport. So while this New Jersey law got tied up in court, PASPA remained the law of the land. Meanwhile, the popular demand that was challenging these laws in the first place continued to grow. What's interesting is that during this time, with the rise of the internet and easier access to bookies and an explosion of popularity in online games where you could win money, the media broadcasters and writers kind of subtly, but not so subtly, integrated the culture of sports betting into our lives. They started using gambling terms in their coverage. They were just more in your face about it much more so than the days of Jimmy the Greek. That 2011 New Jersey case was still in limbo in 2017 when the Supreme Court suddenly decided that it would take up the case. In May of 2018, the court made a decision that nobody saw coming. Breaking news to Supreme Court this morning, striking down the federal ban on sports betting. Now it leaves it up to the states. Our Jessica Schneider joins us live outside of the high court. And Justice is an interesting 6-3 decision, right? And not down to your typical partisan... That's a CNN news report from the morning that the Supreme Court ruled in Murphy versus NCAA that PASPA was unconstitutional. The verdict made national headlines as soon as the news broke. The case ultimately revolved around whether the federal government could compel states to enforce federal law, and the court decided that it couldn't. That each state individually had the right to make that decision. With that ruling, New Jersey was in the game. The first of millions to come. Governor Murphy made history, placing New Jersey's first legal sports bet at Monmouth Park. Amidst a crush of news media and sports fans, Murphy wagered 20 bucks on Germany to win the World Cup and... 
That PBS report from a New Jersey casino came in the first day of legalized sports betting in the state, just weeks after the Supreme Court decision. New Jersey, specifically Atlantic City, is kind of the Vegas of the East. And this decision signaled a turn of the tide. It further legitimized gambling. Physical sports books like that were open for business in a handful of states. But the real game changer was that in states where sports gambling was now legal, companies were now able to take live mobile bets online through their websites and smartphone apps. More than 80% of legal sports betting today is done online. I live in New York City and essentially overnight, you know, suddenly I could cross the George Washington Bridge or take a ferry across to the Hudson River and go to New Jersey and just grab my phone. And suddenly this app that was not working in New York was working in New Jersey and I could just put bets on the Yankees game or whatever sporting event was going on. And, you know, my wife was like, now you're suddenly more like excited about visiting the in-laws in New Jersey. (laughs) 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 That's how quickly things change. I saw that. Yeah. That was, that's yeah. incredible. New Jersey was just the start. Today, 35 states and Washington, D.C. have legalized sports betting, and there are surely more to come. It's no wonder why states have been eager to get in on the action. With Americans betting hundreds of billions of dollars illegally each year, you can let your imagination run wild on how big the legal sports betting pie is about to be. All that gambling money is regulated and taxed by states looking to get their piece of the pie. When sports betting became legal in New York State earlier this year, it took in $1 billion in bets in the first week alone. Given that New York's online betting tax rate is a whopping 51%, it was a huge payday for the state, too. In the sports betting land grab, the winners are clear. States and sports books are cashing in big. Of course, just like in any gambling story, there are losers too. And the biggest ones just might be the fans. After the 2018 Supreme Court decision, the floodgates were open. There's not only been an avalanche of sports gambling bills in state houses across the country but also gambling commercials on the airwaves. Now that fans have the right to bet, they need somewhere to bet. And there are no shortage of places. Offered by longtime gambling companies like MGM and Caesars, media companies like Yahoo and Fox Sports, and startups like FanDuel and DraftKings, all of them waging a billion-dollar battle for you to deposit your money into their apps and websites. So how are these companies getting fans to use their platforms? They've just been throwing money at media companies that are essentially willing to become billboards for gambling. And it's not just sports media companies like ESPN. Even the Associated Press has a partnership deal with a gambling company. And that's resulted in a carpet bombing of ads. There was one stretch when these two gambling companies, DraftKings and FanDuel, During one football season, they became the two biggest advertisers in all of America, bigger than Geico, bigger than any car company. They were just spending an insane amount of money. They are going after people who've never, who don't bet, 
and people who never thought that they would ever bet. And it's all about just getting people to every weekend just for the entertainment value. These gambling companies are just incredibly aggressive with just some ridiculous promotions. It seems like they're just like giving money away. But they're venture-backed companies sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars from investors. And they also have very powerful, very important allies and partners who are suddenly just as motivated to see the explosion of legal gambling. Just a few minutes ago, we saw an announcement from MGM and Major League Baseball describing a new partnership between the casino operator and the league. This is now the third major league that MGM has partnered with. First, they did the NBA, then the NHL, now Major League Baseball today. Again, this is all about sports betting become legalized across the country, state by state. As you heard in that CNBC report, those sports leagues that once ran away from any association with gambling are now striking massive deals with gambling operators. Needless to say, it's a stunning reversal on the collective stance towards gambling. In 2017, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell declared that the NFL opposed sports betting and wouldn't compromise on that. But in the aftermath of the Supreme Court ruling in 2018, he said, quote, we're gonna find ways we can engage fans through legalized sports betting. The league suddenly getting in bed with gambling operators is really something to see. I covered baseball for a long time. And you walk into any Major League Baseball clubhouse, and there was this sign I'd walk by every day. It's Major League Rule 21. And it states that any player, umpire, or employee of a team who bets on a game will be banned from baseball. And now... You can walk through that clubhouse with that same rule and you walk outside and in the stadium, the, the stadiums now are just like covered with gambling ad, ads from gambling companies mm-hmm. and sponsorships because now Major League Baseball has an official gambling partnership and every single team has a gambling partnership. Well, there are some parallels, I think, with the, the doping scandals and the leagues because <laughs> steroids produced grand slams and home runs and home runs sell tickets, you know? And so the the leagues had to have this sort of relationship to it of we don't want it, you know, we don't want it to be revealed, but at the same time, this is increasing our, our sales and, and increasing the excitement around the game. And this younger generation who's like- Absolutely. Used to the like, you know, the adrenaline and the dopamine and the short hits and not having to invest a lot of their time in something and deal with commercials. And so like, yeah, how do you keep that generation interested in in sport? The truth is, ratings across sports are in decline. The NBA has seen a 45% drop in viewership over the past decade. Last year's World Series produced historically low ratings. As leagues compete with streaming services like Netflix for eyeballs, they need fans to keep tuning in. So media companies keep paying them billions for the right to air their games. So for the leagues, gambling is becoming a key part of their business strategy. But what about all those concerns about match fixing and the integrity of the game? As the stakes get bigger and access to gambling easier, one might expect more cases of corruption 
more athletes caught in the crosshairs of league rules against gambling. Last year, a Russian tennis player at the French Open was arrested for conspiring with gamblers to manipulate the results of her doubles match. And earlier this year, Atlanta Falcons player Calvin Ridley unwittingly found himself at the center of a scandal that was much less sketchy. Well, Laura, moments ago, the NFL just suspended the Falcons' standout wide receiver for at least, at least the 2022 season for betting on games. ESPN broke the news that Ridley was suspended for an entire season for placing bets on NFL games on his phone. There's no larger conspiracy of match fixing or anything nefarious like that going on. It was wrong. He shouldn't have done it. But at the same time, Ridley was injured and he wasn't with the team. He definitely should have been punished, but a full season seemed pretty extreme. And this coming from a league whose messaging right now is that gambling is fun and cool and harmless. But when one of their players does it, it, they ban him for a full season. I think, if anything, it just showed you how the NFL still hasn't figured out exactly how it feels about gambling. Ridley, who had recently signed a $10 million contract with his team, wagered a total of $1,500. After being punished for that, he tweeted, quote, I bet 1500 total. I don't have a gambling problem. I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year, LOL. It's safe to say Ridley wouldn't have rolled the dice over 1500 if he knew that he'd be suspended for an entire season. If anything, the episode showed that going forward, it seems unlikely that athletes in prominent leagues are going to risk their eight-figure salaries on fixing games. And while NCAA players and lesser-known athletes have more incentive to act corruptly, technology has also made detecting those kinds of actions easier. The leagues, you know, because they, they know that a scandal, you know, nothing could be worse for them than like a gambling scandal where fans would start to question whether, you know, the sport is fair and competition is legit. And so they are spending a lot of money on deals with other tech companies that are using sophisticated, you know, AI and machine learning to essentially detect any abnormal betting behavior. So if someone is putting down tens of thousands of dollars on a random tennis match in Europe, um, it seems they probably know something that most people don't, and that raises a red flag. It is all about the bottom line at the end of the day. So it's not at all surprising that the leagues have done a 180 on sports gambling. But what about their fans? For fans, yeah, gambling is definitely an effective way to get us watching more sports. And there's no doubt that I watch more sports because of gambling. You know, it'll be a Tuesday night and I've run out of things to watch on Netflix. And there's a Knicks game on. And if I put $10 on that game, well, now there's a reason to tune in. If you can be reasonable with this, if this activity doesn't take a hold of you and turn you into a total fiend, um, it can be fun, right? It can make the games more interesting. Uh, it could be a social activity. You can learn a lot about the sport. You know, there are, there are some positives. But the negatives are... Uh, Formidable. I, I just looked at that app. 
You can link this thing to your bank account. You know, the list is is substantial of what you can bet on and and how many things within those categories you can bet on. I mean, you could drain your savings account in a day or two. And there's a reason why, like, if you go to these apps, like, you know, I'm looking at um, screen now, and it says, if you, this is on one of the sites, uh, the top, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, help is available, call, you know, one eight seven seven. And uh-huh. it's, look, phones are addictive. Gambling is addictive. It's, uh... It's, it's a dangerous mix. There's no question about it. Sports gaming has been online in Connecticut for about three months, and it is bringing in millions. Yeah, however, it's also creating many more problems and problem gamblers, and the state's helpline has been overwhelmed with phone calls. That's a local news report from Connecticut, which shows what's happening in states where gambling has been legalized. As sports betting has boomed, the National Problem Gambling Helpline Network says that it's experienced a 45% jump in calls annually. At the same time, while addiction is a serious issue facing sports fans, at the end of the day, how different is betting on the Chicago Cubs to win the World Series from putting some money down on a tech stock? I mean, I can also essentially do the same thing with my Charles Schwab account. There's an endless amount of, you know companies to bet on and CEOs to bet on. It's kind of like, okay, if you're betting on like Tom Brady to, you know, I don't know, win the Super Bowl or complete a pass, how is that any different from being on Robin Hood, betting on, you know, <laughs> a certain company and how they're going to perform like after IPO or just like putting money into Bitcoin? Yeah, I mean, I think we're constantly faced with this line of, How much free will do we give a human being and how much do we try to protect them? You know, I think the world's got all the temptations that you could ever want. I think the best thing that we can do is to start to understand who we are and and where our weaknesses are and and try to make ourselves formidable because... I know firsthand you want to get in trouble, you can get in trouble. (laughs) It's not that hard. This football season, you won't be able to avoid gambling. Gambling commercials, gambling commentary, gambling analysis. The gambling aspect feels as big as the game itself. This year's Super Bowl shattered records with 31 million Americans wagering $7.6 billion, all of it legal. Part of the reason why there was so much action was that you could bet on practically anything that might happen during the game. Will Trump tweet over or under six and a half times during the Super Bowl? Sarah, go. Well, I'm going to say under. I think he definitely tweets about it. That's right. It may sound crazy. But as heard in this Yahoo sports clip, on top of betting on the result of the game or whether the quarterback would complete a pass on the next play, you could also bet on how many times Donald Trump would tweet the length of the national anthem, and the color of the Gatorade dumped on the coach. Gambling is completely reshaping the fan experience. And not just from the couch. Someday soon, stadium ushers might be coming up to fans, taking bets like they're taking beer orders. In fact, many arenas already have kiosks where you can place all kinds of bets. Which leads to the question, what kind of fans are we being turned into by sports gambling?
It's just a completely different way of watching sports. Just like everyone else, I had my favorite teams growing up, but now I just kind of find myself rooting for the team that I have money on, even if it's just $10. I can tell you that when I was, you know, I, I wasn't ever betting enough that I was going to like be devastated, but I was betting some pretty big numbers. And over a certain number, my fidelity, my loyalty to teams was out the window. You know, that was a very strange situation for me because I'd, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd, I was raised in this family for love of the game and the purity of the game. And that purity is definitely lost. The money just changes everything. Oh, God. You know, there was such a change in every aspect of who I was. Wow, yeah. Um, and I felt myself, even when I started making money, like I was like, I feel like I'm becoming a little less interesting mm. um, than, than I was growing up in Colorado when I, you know, the sort of interests I had and the things I wanted to do in the world. And, and so it was all lumped together in this big, you know, this, this big sort of shift of, of leaving who I was, which was idealistic and, and less materialistic and more, uh, you know, clear eyes, full hearts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. Um, but it was just something that, you know, it was, it's a journey. Um, and, and I certainly have returned to more of that, you know, old self of, of mine. That's, that's not so motivated by money and, and all that stuff. But then there's this part of me that also like knows how that world functions and finds it a bit interesting and also finds games like poker interesting or when you're really looking at um, making money in sports betting where you can look at the, you can study the analytics and you can study the teams and make these rational choices so um, I think I've come you know sort of back to a centrist place mm. it's a good place to be yeah, yeah well talk to me next week we'll see <laughs> The journey has taken a while, but here we are with sports betting in America. The kind of fan you are now includes a new kind of choice between the love of rooting for your favorite team and the thrill of putting some skin in the game. But however you watch the game, there's one sure bet. Sports will never be the same. Torch is a production of Film Nation Entertainment in association with Gilded Audio. It's executive produced by me, Molly Bloom, Alyssa Martino, Milan Papelka, Andy Chug, and Whitney Donaldson. This episode was produced by Nikki Stein and Kelsey Albright. It was written by Albert Chen. Additional story editing from James Boo. Tori Smith is our associate producer. Olivia Canny is our production assistant. Technical direction and engineering by Nick Dooley. Original music by James Lavino. Special thanks to Allison Cohen and Matt Eisenstadt. Next time on Torched, we're taking a peek into the world of a lesser known sport, candlepin bowling, and rediscovering the legacy of a woman who dominated the Northeast candlepin bowling lanes. When we would walk in as a family, the, the people would see her walking in and they'd go, oh, no, Stacia's here, you know, type of thing. Because <laughs> they knew what the outcome was going to be. 
That's next time on Torched. Thanks for listening. As always, if you like what you hear, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. See you next time.